Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. To Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here for today's episode that is brought to you by our friends at BuiltBar.com. Remember, use the code LOCKEDON at the checkout for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. And today I am here solo, and I've got some stuff I want to run through. We're going to do a fun little program here on the podcast that we're doing right across the network over the next couple of weeks. But before I do, I have to say Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, all the mother figures. It's still Mother's Day in the US. It's come and gone here in Australia. But it's a unique time. It's a strange time and a tough time for, for many with all the restrictions of what you can and can't do wherever you may live. For me, it was kind of a funny day because I had to leave Milwaukee so quickly. As many of you know, as many of the listeners know, uh, when coronavirus took over. So I don't have a place in Australia anymore. So I'm at home with family. For the first time in a long time, which <laughs> has some, some challenges, let's say that. Everyone that has moved out of home and then had to move back in, I, I believe, would certainly understand that. But for Mother's Day, it proved to be a bonus because I was able to hang out with mum. You are able to have a few beers, eat some food, and it was fun. It was a good day. But obviously, for a lot of people, that isn't the case. So thoughts are with you. Hopefully, you've been able to have a good weekend nonetheless. And I did say it was snowing in Milwaukee a couple of days ago. I was complaining about winter here in Australia last week. So I take it back for now. I'll come back to that. I'll start arguing about winter or complaining about winter again in a few days. But for now, uh, you guys still win. You guys still win that battle for now. But hey, the weather's going to turn. But for today's podcast, we're going to start looking at some of the what-ifs in franchise history. And for the Bucks. I think the biggest what if that everyone thinks of, first of all, and certainly I do, is what happens if the Bucks don't trade Ray Allen? Now, we've already been through this a couple of weeks ago. We had uh, a series of great pods with people that were around the team at the time. George Carl came on the pod. We also had Michael Hunt, who was the beat writer at the time for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. So we already had an inside look at that. So for anyone that wonders, if you're talking about what ifs, why aren't you talking about Ray Allen? Well, I figured we already just went through that. So I'm not going to open up those wounds again, but that is clearly a major what if. But I wanted to start with one that is very familiar for me, given the time frame of when this happened. And that was, of course, the 2009-2010 Milwaukee Bucks. A team that actually finished 46 and 36 on the season, which the record will tell you at that time, remarkably, was the second best regular season the franchise had had since 1990-1991. In my case, the second best season they had had in my lifetime. And for those that remember that season, it was a really fun ride. It was an interesting ride. It had its ups and downs. It was the rookie season of Brandon Jennings. 
which in itself was a roller coaster ride, a nightly roller coaster ride. Let's just say that with Brandon Jennings. But we are going to focus in on the injury to Andrew Bogut and how that potentially derailed what was a team that heading into the playoffs would have been the informed team of the entire NBA. And that is not that is not uh, uh, overstating things right now. If you remember back to how well this team was playing and the run they were on, and it wasn't always the case. They got off to a slow start, this Milwaukee Bucks team. But overall, with Scott Skiles as head coach, they were a team, to the surprise of no one, they got it done on the defensive end. At the end of the season, they ranked number two in defense and 23rd in offense. So this wasn't always a team that was able to score easily, but they beat teams with their defense. Remember one of my favorite players of all time, Luke Rashard and Baramute, started 62 games. He was a defensive key on the wing for this team. They also had Andrew Bogut, who we're going to go into, in my opinion, should have been a defensive player of the year that season, should have been an all-star. He did make third-team All-NBA for the season that he had, but he was the defensive anchor. And then they had a bunch of veterans on the team, smart veterans, Luke Ridnow, Kurt Thomas off the bench, ended up being an absolute vital player to this team. Charlie Bell, they had a bunch of veterans, smart defenders, and under the, the guidance of Scott Skiles, proved to be a, a pretty elite defense in this season. But I want to start with Michael Red, and this was interesting. If you remember back to this season, Michael Red had already tore his ACL the first time he came back to the team. And this was one of those incidents where, for me, similar to the Jabari Parker ACL, I remember exactly where I was when he went down. It was at a game in LA in early January in 2010. And Michael Red went down uh, near the basket in the painted area at Staples Center. And this was a big blow for this Bucks team. Michael Red wasn't a guy at the time that was necessarily playing all that well. He'd only played in 18 games third time. He'd had some issues through the season. He wasn't scoring all that efficiently, just 35% from the field, 30% from three. So well down on the normal numbers for him. But when you looked at this team and you looked at the makeup of the roster, the three guys that you were hoping were going to help you win games in Brandon Jennings, who had emerged as a rookie very early on the back of that 55-point game, Michael Red, your all-star, and then Andrew Bogut, who at the time, four or five years into the league, was still developing. But when Michael Red goes down, it, it did feel like this season that was already not heading in a good direction was completely over. And many suspected at the time that the Bucs were going to throw in the towel and say, okay, well, this isn't going to be it. This is a season that's going to go down the drain. We're going to get to the trade deadline. We're going to move some pieces that we don't necessarily need that aren't going to help us win this season and we're going to look towards the future. Well, uh, we know the Bucs. We're talking about the eighth seed or bust Bucs. That was not going to be the case. In the days after Michael Red going down, the Bucs acquired Jerry Stackhouse, who had been sitting at home waiting for a team to pick him up. And Stackhouse came in, and he didn't immediately step into the rotation in a significant way, but it was another veteran piece for this Bucks team that came in and in the end played some pivotal basketball, particularly in the playoffs. Game three comes to mind at the Bradley Center against the Atlanta Hawks. But this was the first move that it was like, okay, is Stackhouse going to be a huge needle mover? I don't think so. But he's a guy that, that, that gives you some indication that the Bucs aren't looking to drift off here. And it sparked some intrigue for what was going to happen 
at the trade deadline. And this was really the significant move of the season. The Milwaukee Bucks are able to acquire John Salmons from Chicago. They lose Joe Alexander, who uh, let's just say was a failure of a, of a lotto pick. And that's almost another podcast in itself. And Hakeem Warwick. Salmons was a guy that had a $5.8 million player option for the next season. So there was certainly uh, a potential that the Bucks had given up a high lotto pick for a guy that was only going to be around for 30 or 35 games. So that was one part of this trade. And I don't think at that point anyone had any real hopes, uh, hopes for Joe Alexander anyway. So maybe in hindsight, this was an excellent trade to get some value, a guy that was going to contribute straight away, depending on whether you thought the Bucks should try and make a run. At the time of the trade, the Bucks are 24 and 28. So things aren't looking good. This isn't a team that is threatening to do anything in the 2009-2010 season. Selmans was a guy that was coming off the bench in Chicago. He comes to Milwaukee pretty well immediately, moves into the starting lineup, and Charlie Bell moves back into a reserve role. But I don't think that anyone could have predicted what was going to happen with John Salmons when he came to Milwaukee. And I'm going to get to that in just a few minutes here. I have to tell you a little bit more about our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have 16 amazing flavors. The bars are 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And most importantly, for the guys and girls out there that are health conscious, it's a perfect bar for you. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie low sugar, high protein, high fiber. And if you're looking for a pre or post workout snack, it does not get much better than Built Bar right now, particularly if you're at home, working out at home like a lot of us are. This is the perfect way. You can order the bars online. It's easy to do. And remember, you know, we have a sweet deal. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. That's right. If you use the promo code LOCKEDON at builtbar.com, you will get $10 off your first order. And like me, you'll be at home working out with the perfect snack pre or post-workout. So John Simons comes into the Milwaukee Bucks lineup with incredible impact right off the bat. He ends up averaging 19.9 points, three rebounds and three assists on 46, 39, 86 shooting splits across 30 games with the Bucks' 28 starts. He was playing 37.6 minutes per game, which is always funny to me to look back at these minute totals and think about guys like Giannis and Chris this year where, uh, let's just say, there was real panic if they played more than 35 minutes. It was a different era. We know Scott Skiles was a guy who liked to play his guys, but John Salmons, everyone remembers the jab step, but he was incredible. He stepped into this lineup and he was all of a sudden a focal point of the offense on the perimeter. Remember, you had Andrew Bogut on the inside, who at the time was really playing like a number one option. And I think it's sometimes overlooked how great that season was for Andrew Bogut and the level that he was playing at. He was a legit number one option, but they still needed a reliable guy on the outside. And I think relying on Brandon Jennings to consistently be that guy in his rookie season was a difficult ask. And the injection of a legitimate third scorer Third banana on this team really catapulted this team with immediate results. I spoke earlier about the fact that the Bucks were only 24 and 28 when they traded for John Salmons. They finished the season 22 and 8 to finish 46 and 36 on a year. They were on an absolute tear. A couple of those losses came 
at the end of the season as the Bucks were preparing for the playoffs. At that point, they'd already lost Andrew Boga, which we're going to get to. But uh, don't underrate how well this Bucks team was playing with the veteran roster that they had and those three focal points in Jennings, Bogut, and John Salmons. It was, a, it was an incredible stretch. And I remember this was the first time since I had been watching the Bucks, following the Bucks from Australia, outside of 2001, of course, when you can say I jumped in the bandwagon. But this was the first time when I was watching games against really, really good teams where I was like, yeah, I think the Bucks can, can and will win this game. I never had confidence in a Bucks team until this point. There's one game that stands out in particular for me. It was against the Boston Celtics at home at the Bradley Center. The Bucks win 86-84. You might remember this game as the one where Andrew Bogut posterized Big Baby Davis. And this was a big moment in the season for mine. And again, one of the times where I sat back and said, I think this Bucks team can actually do something in the playoffs because they weren't intimidated. This is a Boston Celtics team that ended up reaching the NBA Finals. They go down in seven to the Los Angeles Lakers. But the Bucs liked that matchup. And the big thing is they weren't intimidated by Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen. Those guys didn't scare the Bucs because they had a veteran team. And the young guy that they had in Brandon Jennings was not scared of anyone anyway. He was a guy that wanted that challenge and wanted to play against the best. He had almost that ridiculous ego, arrogance, whatever you want to call it, that he wasn't afraid of anything. And then you combine that with, with Andrew Bogan, Stackhouse, Salvins, Ridnow, Charlie Bell, Kurt Thomas, all these guys that we already spoke about. The Bucs were not a team that could be pushed around. And uh, indeed, you include Scott Skiles in that. So this was a really, really exciting time. I remember the atmosphere around the Bradley Center for me watching on TV in Australia was simply incredible. And then we got to this game against the Phoenix Suns and it all fell apart. And everyone remembers this moment. Andrew Bogut's running out for the dunk. The Bucs are blowing out the Phoenix Suns. They're destroying the Suns at the Bradley Center. It was just another day at the office for this team that was on an absolute roll. Bogut goes down. He gets a little touch from Stoudemire, and, and the rest is history. And I want to throw now to a little piece of audio from our conversation on the podcast with Jim Paschke from a couple of weeks ago. If you missed this one, completely then uh, make sure you go back and listen jim is just incredible to talk to incredible to interview incredible to hear the stories that he's got but he gave a bit of an inside look to what it was like to be inside the bradley center during that incident and at the time that it happened i have never witnessed an injury quite as gruesome as that one in person um the building went stone cold silent in an instant and then we were left to try and figure out what to say, and it was difficult. Um, I remember we ran the replay, and I hit my button to the producer, and I said, let's not do that too many times. Yeah, uh, It was one that you could replay once, in my opinion, uh, twice at the very most, uh, and we just waited and tried to work our way through that. That was... Uh, very devastating. Um, I remember it wasn't a push, it was a touch, but Amari Stoudemire was a big man. So when you're in the air, any touch, that's one yeah. thing that I tried to explain to people at the time was you can't tell how much pressure was on that touch. And it could have been great. Uh, it just was a bad situation. Uh, 
the coach came up, the opposing coach came up after the game, Alvin Gentry, and, and saw me in the hallway, and he said, Jim, we're devastated by this. He said he did not – he wasn't trying to hurt him, and he was very apologetic. So I always remember that from that particular instance. Uh, the Bucks were playing so well, and, and, and that was uh, a cloud uh, over that team. And that year, it parked right over Milwaukee. It's tough to listen to. And again, I talk about moments where you remember exactly where you were. Again, I remember where I was in my bedroom in Australia watching that game on League Pass, and it was devastating. It was devastating because that was the moment that you knew that this incredible ride that you may never get back was over. The Bucs just weren't going to be able to get the job done without Andrew Bogut. He was the anchor on, on both ends of the floor. He was having an all-NBA season, and that's all you really need to say. I mean, we talk about the potential of, you know, of Chris Middleton being an all-NBA player this year. Bogut was at that level. He was one of the best big men in the entire league. And we're going to talk a little bit about how the rest of the season panned out and ponder what if after the break, But before we do, I have to tell you about the most useful app on my phone. That is, of course, Blinkist. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. But there is this incredible Blinkist app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. Blinkist is really unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now. It has a massive growing library from self-help, business, health to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestsellers lists, as well as the classic non-fiction titles you always meant to read, but never had time to. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash MBA. Try for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash MBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash MBA. The Bucks would ultimately finish the regular season four and two without Andrew Bogut. The losses come in to the Boston Celtics and then the Atlanta Hawks. This was right near the start of the playoffs. So as usual, sometimes you take those results with a grain of salt. But the air had been sucked out of the Bucks. Sure, they finished 46 and 36, but the feeling was, how are they going to be able to beat an Atlanta Hawks team in the first round without their best player? The history will tell us they, they had a, a pretty good go at it. They go down in seven games and actually won game three, four, and five. The, the game five was a huge one on the road in Atlanta to give them a 3-2 lead and bring the series back to Milwaukee for game six with a chance to close out the Hawks. They couldn't do it. In the end, they were blown out in both game six and game seven. And that was that. And we know that Andrew Bogut never came back the same. The Bucs would give John Salmons a mega five-year deal. That didn't work out. He was not able to reproduce the magic of that season. And the Bucs really fell away from there. And again, it felt like a missed opportunity. I know we just heard from Jim Paskey in regards to what happened on that day, but I also have another little audio clip I'm going to play you from Andrew Bogut. I asked him when he joined the podcast what he thought about that team and the missed opportunity that they had and how far they could have gone if things didn't pan out the way they did. 
yeah, I feel like we beat it. I feel, I feel like we, you know, it's easy to talk in hindsight, and yeah. I feel like we beat Atlanta at least. I think we get through the first round, and and I, I think that year um, was a Boston. I think KG went down for Boston. I think in the playoffs that year. Um, so I think that they were, they were the next round opponent possibly. But um, you never know what can happen from there. But I, I feel like we would have got to the second round, and and you know, Atlanta was still a pretty relatively young team with a few veterans. Horford was young, and a few other guys. And I think. They had, uh, might be a few veterans, but um, yeah, I felt like we would have got by them, and and then you never know what can happen from there. But um, yeah, that was that was kind of the, a good year as far as Milwaukee went. If the Bucks had have been able to get beyond the Atlanta Hawks, they would have taken the Orlando Magic, and it's hard not to agree with Andrew that the Bucks would not have beaten the Hawks. I, I just don't feel that they could have pushed the Hawks to seven games with the veteran Kurt Thomas starting at the age of thirty-eight and not being able to beat them. I think they would have got through them and it would have set up an interesting matchup with the Orlando Magic. The Bucks weren't able to beat the Magics. They lost the season series 3-0 to zero during the regular season. And funnily enough, the one close game, they went down 100-98 to 98 at the Bradley Center very early in the season when Dwight had 25 points and 20 rebounds. Andrew Bogut didn't actually play. So it's funny to think that that was the closest they got to the Orlando Magic. The other two matchups were blowouts. But the Celtics was always the interesting team to me, and it's, it's the thing that I'll always think about. It's hard to know whether the Bucks were going to be able to get past the Orlando Magic to get to the Boston Celtics. But it's crazy to think that this veteran Celtics team, a team that had already won a title, didn't intimidate me when I thought about the matchup with the Bucks. The Bucks are a team that, as I already mentioned, weren't afraid of the veterans from the Celtics, they're a team that the Bucks liked their chances against. They'd had success against them recently. And if one little incident, the push from Amari Stoudemire and Andrew Bogut doesn't land awkwardly the way he did, maybe the Milwaukee Bucks do win their first playoff series since 2001, which in the end we had to wait another decade for. And I think that's the crazy thing, how this sliding doors moment of the incident against Phoenix at the Bradley Center in March 2010 ended up sending the Bucks into another decade of playoff losses and average teams. And it's worked out okay. We're not complaining now. This obviously incredible Bucks team we get to witness now. But for a lot of Bucks fans, that is a season that brings back a lot of good memories. It was the return of Fear the Deer. The Bradley Center was absolutely rocking when you think back to the atmosphere in, in that building. But it's always going to be a season for me that I'll, I'll think, what if? And I thought that that was the perfect way to start this week. Well, this next few weeks, every now and then we're going to go through what ifs. By the way, if there's any what ifs that you have as a Bucks fan, send them in to us. You can get us at, at LockedOnBucks or LockedOnBox at gmail.com. Frank's going to be back. There's one particular draft pick, early draft pick in recent years that we need to go over. That's going to be on the list. But for now, I'm going to leave it there. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Mother's Day. We'll speak to you guys tomorrow.